Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel, serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Happy Saturday. Not long ago, we talked about Marino Faliero and a plot to overthrow slash murder the Venetian nobility in the 14th century. We mentioned that when Byron wrote a play about this incident centuries later, some of his contemporaries interpreted it as a response to the Cato Street Conspiracy of 1820. These two incidents aren't totally similar, but there are some parallels that make that comparison make sense. We did an episode on the Cato Street Conspiracy on May 1st, 2017, so we are bringing that out as today's Saturday Classic. Enjoy! Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy B. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. Guy Fawkes and the Gunpowder Plot, uh, which our predecessors Sarah and Dublina talked about in a two-part podcast back in 2011, have become part of the popular culture on both sides of the Atlantic Definitely more so in the UK, but here too. <laughs> like we have Guy Fox masks at protests and all of this other stuff. Uh, but that plot to blow up Parliament was not history's only attempt to violently destroy the British government and spark a popular uprising. It's just become way more famous than the one we are going to talk about today. That incident that we're talking about today happened more than 200 years later, but it's not nearly as well-remembered or in some ways popularized, uh, and that is the Cato Street Conspiracy. 
And it's been a while, but we've talked a bit on past podcasts about the economic and cultural climate of Great Britain in the early 19th century, including in our 2013 episode on the Luddite Rebellion. In the first decades of the 1800s, the Industrial Revolution was well underway, and while much of Britain was still quite rural and agrarian, parts of the nation were also urbanizing really rapidly. People were moving to cities faster than the cities themselves could keep up, leading to overcrowding, unsanitary living conditions, poverty, crime, and the rapid spread of disease. Food production hadn't kept up with the shifts in economy and industrialization, leading to food shortages, inflation, and laws meant to regulate the grain market, which tended to favor landowners over workers and consumers. As the nation was becoming more urbanized, work was also becoming more mechanized. And as a result, skilled craftspeople and agricultural workers were increasingly being pushed out of their jobs. At the same time, working conditions in the nation's newly opened factories were often very, very poor. People worked long hours for low pay in conditions that ranged along a spectrum from unpleasant to unsafe. Disciplinary action for even minor infractions tended to be really severe, including everything from withholding people's pay to physical punishments. People who worked in these factories were prohibited from organizing themselves to advocate for better conditions, fairer treatment, or better pay. Parliament had passed what was known as the Combination Act in 1799, which received royal assent on July 12th of that year. Combination here is a synonym for union. Uh, Any two men who combined or unionized to try to get better pay or reduced hours could be sentenced to two months of hard labor. And the same was true of anyone who tried to convince anyone else to leave work, in other words, to go on strike. Although the Combination Act technically applied to organizations of employers as well, it was really only enforced for workers. So not only were people working in unpleasant, difficult, and sometimes dangerous conditions, but they were also prohibited from getting together to try to do anything about it. All of this contributed to things like the Luddite Rebellion that we mentioned a few moments ago. And a few years before today's subject took place, the Luddites had been protesting against mechanization in the textile industry. In 1811, the Luddites famously smashed knitting machines, ultimately leading to the deployment of a military force to stop those protests in 1812. Today's conspiracy took place just a little later than that in 1820. The same trends of urbanization and mechanization and all of the downsides that they were bringing along with them had continued in the years since the Luddite Rebellion. By then, the Napoleonic Wars and the War of 1812 had both also ended, both of them in 1815. Many of the soldiers and sailors who had previously been away fighting in the British Empire's military were now home again, and they were all competing for the same very scarce supply of jobs. Arthur Thistlewood was one of the many radical voices in Great Britain protesting against all of this. He was baptized on December 4th of 1774 and probably born that year to William Thistlewood and Anne Burnett, who were unmarried. Arthur's father was a stock breeder and his mother was a shopkeeper's daughter. A lot of the details about his early life and his upbringing are very hazy or contradictory, and this continues into his adult life as well, since he seems to have invented a highly romanticized and embellished biography for himself. He definitely did serve in two different militia, first as an ensign and then as a lieutenant. He may have been in Paris during the Reign of Terror, although that's a little harder to substantiate, 
He claimed to have visited the Americas and the Caribbean, but that seems less likely. When Thistlewood was in his 20s, he had a series of brushes with money, each of them ending abruptly and putting him back where he started financially. He's reported to have been married twice. One was a Miss Bruce around 1791 or 1792, and the other was Jane Worsley in 1804, although it's possible that that first report is erroneous. In both cases, these women came from money, but that money reverted back to each of their families uh, because each of those women died in childbirth. Yeah, this, there's some speculation that maybe that 1791 or 92 uh, marriage was was like mistaken identity or someone else, but uh, it happened at least once in that pattern. And he did also have a surviving son named Julian who was born around 1804. That was either by Jane Worsley or by another woman. But regardless, when he married again in 1808, this time to a woman named Susan Wilkinson, she accepted the young Julian as her own. Around the same time, Thistlewood came into an inheritance, which he sold in exchange for an annuity. But his buyer almost immediately went bankrupt, leaving Thistlewood without his property and his buyer without the money to pay him. So at this point, he had come into money and then lost it. Uh, Several times. At least two, possibly three times. And this cycle of coming into money and then losing it again seems to have made him both bitter and ready to fight back against a system that he thought was stacked against him and against the working class. When Thistlewood made his way to London sometime before 1810, he found a community of people who were ready to stoke both his bitterness and his sense of being economically wronged. Once there, he quickly made connections to some of London's most radical thinkers and activists, including members of the Jacobin Club that formed in the wake of the French Revolution. Another in Thistlewood's newfound circle was Thomas Spence, who was the de facto leader of a loose collection of radical organizations, all of them, in one way or another, advocating for revolution. Spence was against the monarchy, state religion, and the aristocracy, and he was in favor of true universal suffrage, although many of his allies advocated universal male suffrage only. Spence had kept various bookstalls, and he opened a bookstore known as the Hive of Liberty, where he sold revolutionary tracts, including ones that he had written himself. He also published a magazine known as Pig's Meat, in which he called for things like the forced nationalization and equal redistribution of all the land in Britain. Fence thought that private property ownership was giving uh, the rich a permanent domination over the poor, and the only answer was to take all of the land and then divide it up equally. At first, Thistlewood's activities within these circles didn't really get a lot of attention from authorities. But shortly before the end of the Napoleonic Wars, he was part of a group that was trying to send an emissary to France to essentially invite Napoleon to invade Britain directly and overthrow the monarchy. This plan completely fizzled out after Thistlewood's promised funding of it, which was supposed to come from a lawsuit, failed to materialize. But it was this plan to petition Napoleon that finally caught the government's eye. And from that point, they were really keeping a pretty steady gaze on Thistlewood. We will get into what happened after Thistlewood was under the government's watchful eye after a quick sponsor break. 
I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Say goodbye to complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping, and say hello to an advantage with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Every business faces challenges, but shipping shouldn't be one of them. So keep things simple with clear, upfront pricing. And no unexpected surcharges for Saturday deliveries, residential deliveries, or fuel. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there, helping you counter the rising costs of doing business with a budget-friendly alternative. And keep things reliable with on-time ground shipping, ensuring your shipments get to where they need to go while maintaining your hard-earned reputation. USPS Ground Advantage is your ticket to easy, cost-effective, and dependable shipping. It's the complete delivery service your business needs to rise above the competition. There's never been a better time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. 
Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Although Thomas Spence himself died in 1814, his followers, who became known as the Spencean philanthropists or just Spencians, were still active two years later in the midst of a movement for parliamentary reform, and Arthur Thistlewood had become one of their key organizers. One of their strategies was to piggyback their revolutionary efforts on more moderate calls for reform. And this is what happened at the Spa Fields riot on December 2nd, 1816. The meeting scheduled at Spa Fields that day was supposed to be an update on a petition to reform Parliament. However, Thistlewood was on the planning committee, and he and others were working behind the scenes to use the meeting to foment rebellion. Ahead of that meeting, the organizers had visited taverns and barracks to sow the seeds of a revolutionary riot, and they strategically positioned their allies within the crowd to try to incite violence. This didn't entirely go as planned. Although some in the crowd did become violent and the riot went on for hours, most of the attendees at this meeting remained peaceful. Thistlewood's ambitious goals of taking the Tower of London and the Bank of England and stealing weapons and liberating prisoners did not happen at all. They did march to the Tower with Thistlewood leading the way, but order was restored by nightfall. Although there was sufficient evidence to arrest Thistlewood and his accomplices in the Spafields riot immediately, the government also had a network of spies placed within the Spencians, and arrests would have disrupted that intelligence that they were gathering. So it was May of the following year when Thistlewood and his family were about to flee to the Americas when he was finally arrested and tried. Sources uh, actually contradict. Either he was acquitted or the charge was withdrawn when the key witness turned out to be a pimp and a perjurer. Yeah, unfortunately, that trial does not seem to be in the online records uh, at Old Bailey. (laughs) So I'm not sure which is correct, but two different sources said clearly different things. After this failed attempt to start a revolution at the Spa Fields riots, Thistlewood increasingly believed that only an armed coup would bring the revolution that he thought England needed. He hatched yet another plot to take over the Bank of England during the St. Bartholomew's Fair on September 6, 1817, although that effort once again failed. At this point, a lot of the remaining Spencians had grown wary of all the overt attempts to start a violent rebellion. Many of them went back to advocating for reforms from the taverns in small groups that were less easily tracked and apprehended. Thistlewood, on the other hand, doubled down. In 1818, he challenged Home Secretary Henry Addington, Lord Sidmouth, who had previously served as Prime Minister, to a duel. For the first time, Thistlewood wound up in prison, starting a year-long sentence for threatening a breach of peace in May of 1818. 
Not long after Thistlewood's release from prison, on August 16, 1819, the Manchester Yeomanry, armed with sabers, violently broke up a protest for parliamentary reform in what came to be known as the Peterloo Massacre. In addition to those who were killed by members of the yeomanry, others were trampled in their efforts to escape. At least 10 people were killed and hundreds more were injured. The immediate aftermath of the Peterloo Massacre did spark outrage and calls for the types of reforms that the protesters had been demanding. But in the end, the government sanctioned the way the yeomanry and magistrates had handled the protest. And in response to it, Parliament also passed the Six Acts. This was a set of six separate acts that limited the rights to do things like assemble and print political material, while also implementing harsher punishments for printing materials deemed seditious or obscene. One of the acts, the Training Prevention Act, made it illegal to have military-style training and drills outside of official organizations like municipal militias. One of their main proponents for these acts was the Home Secretary, that same man that Thistlewood had gone to prison for challenging to a duel. This is maybe the last straw. There's a lot of theories about exactly what prompted Thistlewood to go from, like, a, a radical revolutionary calling for you know, a total change in the British government to somebody who was literally planning to assassinate the entire cabinet. But at some point after the uh, Peterloo massacre, Thistlewood did indeed start planning to assassinate the entirety of the prime minister's cabinet and to replace them all with the provisional government that he thought would truly be both for and by the people. The cabinet met for dinners on a regular basis, and he planned to use one of these dinners to kill them all at once. He and his co-conspirators rented rooms on Cato Street to plan and to assemble and then to do things like make hand grenades. Thistlewood considered figuring out a way to destroy the cabinet without the convenience of a state dinner after the death of George III on January 29, 1820. Following the king's death, the cabinet dinners were temporarily suspended, but they did resume fairly quickly. The first one after that was to take place in the home of the Earl of Harrowby in Grosvenor Square on February 23, 1820. Thistlewood learned of it on the 22nd through an announcement published in the New Times, and the announcement itself may have been brought to his attention by a man named George Edwards. The plan was to go to Grosvenor Square with a note for the Earl, and then once a servant had opened the door, rush in brandishing pistols, subdue all the servants, block their escape routes, and if any of them tried to escape, they would use hand grenades to kill all the servants in the household. Then, according to court testimony, they were planning to go on to the dining room and, quote, the men who were to go into the room were to rush in directly and to murder all they found in the room, good or bad. And if there were any good ones, they would murder them for keeping bad company. One of the conspirators, James Ings, volunteered to rush the room first and behead everyone there and take the heads of the Lords Castlereagh and Sidmouth for later display. They were the secretaries of state for foreign and home affairs. Once this mass assassination was complete, the conspirators planned to move on to loot and destroy nearby barracks and stables and then take over the Lord Mayor's residence to use as the seat of their provisional government. That done, they were going to raid the bank and, if if at all possible, come away with the books still intact so that they could use them as evidence for wrongdoing within London's more affluent class. 
But once again, Thistlewood's attempt to start a rebellion was thwarted. Thomas Hyden, one of the men Thistlewood had tried to recruit, wrote a letter to Lord Castlereagh detailing this plot, which he gave to Lord Harrowby in a park. Lord Harrowby immediately canceled the dinner and informed the Bow Street runners that something was afoot. Hyden wasn't Thistlewood's only undoing, though. George Edwards, one of Thistlewood's co-conspirators, was really a spy for the government. He had been passing information about Thistlewood's activities to the Bow Street Runners the entire time. There's even some suggestion that he set Thistlewood up in all of this, not only calling his attention to the advertisement about the dinner, but actually placing that advertisement in the New Times himself. At trial, the court reporter, who usually posted those sorts of announcements, testified that he had not placed one for February 23rd and that the one that appeared in the New Times that day uh, or the day before didn't even sound like one he had written. Regardless of how it all came about, Bow Street runners raided the conspirators' loft before they even left their Cato Street lodgings. In the ensuing melee, Thistlewood killed one officer, Richard Smithers, with his rapier before escaping and evading capture until the following morning. We will talk about the trial and its aftermath after one more quick sponsor break. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. (laughs) 
Say goodbye to complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping and say hello to an advantage with USPS Ground Advantage shipping from the United States Postal Service. Every business faces challenges, but shipping shouldn't be one of them. So keep things simple with clear, upfront pricing. And no unexpected surcharges for Saturday deliveries, residential deliveries, or fuel. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there, helping you counter the rising costs of doing business with a budget-friendly alternative. And keep things reliable with on-time ground shipping, ensuring your shipments get to where they need to go while maintaining your hard-earned reputation. USPS Ground Advantage is your ticket to easy, cost-effective, and dependable shipping. It's the complete delivery service your business needs to rise above the competition. There's never been a better time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary Evolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Although there were certainly others involved in the planning in some way, in the end, 13 conspirators in the plot to massacre the cabinet were arrested. Most of them were laborers or craftspeople in some way, so they were shoemakers, carpenters, tailors, and the like. Two turned King's evidence, which meant that the trial could proceed without blowing the cover of George Edwards by having to call him to the stand to testify. One of the cases was also dropped. The trials began on April 17, 1820, and the guilt of most of those on trial was never really in question. Witness after witness named Thistlewood as the ringleader and key organizer of the entire operation. The defense of one of the co-conspirators in particular stands out, William Davidson, who was tried a little later in April. Davidson, born in Jamaica, was the son of Jamaica's white attorney general and a black Jamaican woman. He had been sent to England to receive an education that would be on par with his father's position. At trial, Davidson said in his own defense, quote, I was accidentally drawn into Cato Street in the way I have said, but knew nothing of a plot to plunder, burn, or massacre. I did not know that any such plot was in existence. I am not such a man if my color be against me. I am not void of all feeling and would not act the murderer or the brute. He then went on to suggest that it was all a case of mistaken identity, that he had been mistaken for another black man, which had also happened to him at the Sunday school where he taught. According to Davidson, all the witnesses who described, quote, a man of color were talking about some other man and not him. 
The judge tried to assuage Davidson's fears that his color was being used as a strike against him, saying, quote, you may rest most perfectly assured that with respect to the color of your countenance, no prejudice either has or will exist in any part of this court against you. A man of color is entitled to British justice as much as the fairest British subject. But Davidson's argument of mistaken identity did not lead to an acquittal. He and all the other men on trial for the conspiracy were all found guilty and sentenced to be taken to their execution on hurdles, hanged, beheaded, and quartered. Five of those sentences were commuted to transportation to New South Wales, and the men transported arrived there on September 30th, 1820. The executions of the others, who were Arthur Thistlewood, James Ings, James Brunt, William Davidson, and Richard Tidd, were carried out on May 1st, 1820. Uh, Although the carrying on hurdles and the quartering afterward were dropped from their sentence for what was framed as humanitarian reasons. Thistlewood's last statement before his execution was, quote, My only sorrow is that soil should be a theater for slaves, for cowards, and for despots. My motives, I doubt not, will hereafter be justly appreciated. Their execution drew an enormous crowd, and a railing at St. Sepulchre's Church collapsed under the weight of all the people who had climbed up onto it for a better view. The bodies remained hanging for half an hour before the beheading. An axe was specially made for the execution, but the actual beheading wound up being carried out by a barber surgeon wearing a mask and using a surgical knife. According to William Thackeray's account, James Brunt's head was dropped while it was being displayed to the crowd, which was one of the incidents cited in efforts to get beheading removed from the punishments for traitors. Yeah, eventually all the other ancillary steps to the execution itself were removed in the from the punishments for traitors. So people would just be hanged instead of taken to the gallows on hurdles and then hanged and then beheaded and then quartered, which was a lot. Although there was plenty of more moderate activism around the rights of workers and reforms of parliament and all those sorts of things after this point, the failed Cato Street Rebellion really put an end to the most radical and violent arm of the labor rights movement at the time. The Spencian philanthropists effectively dissolved. And at the same time, the government pointed to the Cato Street Rebellion as evidence that the six acts and the combination acts that had previously been passed were all necessary to keep order. The location where the conspirators were discovered was marked with a plaque in 1977. It has a historical marker. Uh, Not the same name recognition, though, as Guy Fawkes plot to blow up parliament no not at all even though they had the same core objective which was to destroy the government and start over thanks so much for joining us on this saturday since this episode is out of the archive if you heard an email address or a facebook url or something similar over the course of the show that could be obsolete now Our current email address is historypodcast at iheartradio.com. Our old How Stuff Works email address no longer works. You can find us all over social media at Missed in History. And you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 